Hey, everyone. We want to take a moment to tell you about the sponsor of this podcast, Roosevelt's. You may know Roosevelt's as the company who makes those rad all-over print button-downs with just about every franchise that you love. They, of course, have Star Wars, because this is a Star Wars podcast, but they also have Harry Potter, Disney, Pixar, Marvel, NASA, WWE, The Office, Nickelodeon, Rick and Morty, Friends, all kinds of other stuff, including new lines from Yellowstone and The Godfather. And not just button-downs, but t-shirts, they do shorts, jackets, hoodies, koozies, flannels, so many different kinds of items, so many dope designs. So if you're interested in picking something up for the first time, go to rsvlts.com and use promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off your first purchase. Once again, that's rsvlts.com. Use promo code THANKTHEMAKER to get 20% off of your first purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm Adam Russell. Hey guys, I'm Ryan Key. Hey, both of y'all. My name is Nick Gambarian. Good to see ya. Good eye. I love after all this talk about where we live, West Coast, East Coast. No coast. Middle Coast. <laughs> America's butthole. <laughs> I love after all that conversation that Nick opened with y'all too. I love that. <laughs> You're my people. Y'all. You're my people. <laughs> Here we are, face-to-face, a couple of silver spoons. It was a great jingle. You guys remember that theme song? It was great. I sure do. When are we going to have another show about a rich kid who gets everything but ultimately is still unhappy because... Because... There's got to be one. When I heard the the episode when he broke it down, when his dad broke it down, he's like, you know, son, I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth. So this, this, this. As a little kid, I was like, what? Is that like a weird birth defect? I was like nine <laughs> years old trying to figure out how you get born with... <laughs> A piece of silverware in your mouth. Didn't understand the, the saying, the phrase. You took things very literal as a kid. What an idiot. <laughs> so uh, here I am in St. Louis, Missouri. I've returned from my trip with my wife. My wife, insert clip. It's going to be really warm there this weekend. Yeah, it's solid. It's <laughs> killer. I had an amazing Disney trip. It was my wife's first time at Disney. We stayed at Pop Century Resort, went to all four parks, you know, not including the water parks, six days in a row. So much. Like nine miles a day average. <laughs> you did all four parks each day? No, no. We There were two days where we went to all four, yeah. Wow. If you count like just like walking through Epcot, because it's more fun than walking around Epcot to go from like the monorail to the Skyliner kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. One day we actually rode rides at every park. Another, we did three out of four and just walked through couple days we did two. I mean, we like, we just went for it, dude. Yeah, it's the best. A yeah. couple trips ago with my second cousins, but I hate calling them that. My niece and nephews. Yeah. Just sounds better. Yeah. But we did all four parks in one day. I think we rode 15 rides and walked, you know, what would that be? It was like 11 or 12 miles in yeah. a single day. Hmm. Yeah. It was nuts. But we did, we were, we only had one day to go down there with them. And I was like, do you guys want to really... You want to just let it rip? And they were like, yeah, let's do it. So I'm like, all right. 
we I mean we had the the um we have the luxury of my friend Snips giving me her fast passes for every ride, so Sick. that helped speed up the process. But dude, there has to be a good like if you do all four parks, at least two miles of that has to be to and from transportation. Yeah, I was you know, just say. from the gates. Yeah, and we were doing the buses and the Skyliner, everything like you know. So we were walking a lot. Like the day that we were going to take it easy, the Skyliner ended up being back open. So we ended up walking the most on the last day. But whatever, it was amazing. I don't know if I'm going to make it out to Disneyland before I leave for tour. I'm bummed. You can't? I you wanted should. to go see, uh, I don't think I can. No, I leave Sunday for tour. And oh. I wanted to go see World of Color has a, a whole new Star Wars section now. Yes. I saw a clip of it. Yeah. Adam, did you ride Guardians? Yeah. Dude, it's the best ride they've ever made. It was pretty sick, but I had the wrong expectations. I didn't know it was a roller coaster. Oh. I thought it was just like a ride kind of thing, like smugglers, you know? Mm-hmm. So my experience was like a little, I don't know. My, my expectations were wrong. I think it's the best Disney parks ride ever made. Really? That's my opinion. Damn. Yes. I've, I've ridden it like 10 times. I can't, can't get enough. But I just, I, I nerd out on like the tech of it, like how it works, the tech, yeah. the, the turning cars and the 3D imaging everywhere. It's just, yeah. it's so wild. It's so wild. But I, I do not, are you a roller coaster person? Not really. Like, is that part of it? Like, I am. I like them if I'm not getting knocked around too much and if I can anticipate the turns. So, like, now, especially as an old person, I hate, I hate Space Mountain. Yeah, yeah. So, that's, so Space Mountain's, like, so jerky. It's the old roller coaster. You know, yeah. it's whatever. It's classic. But it's, but the thing about Guardians to me is it feels like you're floating at, like, a very high rate of speed. But, yeah. like, there's no bumps or jerks or it's, like... I don't know. It just Yeah, and you can see the turns coming a little bit too because there's just enough light like you can see mm-hmm. where the track is. So I, I was much better on that level. But yeah, dude, I was like, I was tired. I had to poop. <laughs> it was like the end of the day and we went on Space Mountain and we were in the front car. Jill had her hands on my shoulders and wasn't realizing how hard she was gripping. So like all of it together, we got off and I was like, I hated that. I hated it. <laughs> yeah, it's not Space Mountain's not great. It's just it's not great. The, the one year that they did the Summer of Star Wars, I think it was twenty. It was like twenty fifteen. I think uh, either way, I think it was right around the acquisition. They did like the Summer yeah. of Star Wars. So right, yeah, right. it was later on. But they they turned Space Mountain into a Star Wars experience. Yeah. What do they call it? Hyperspace Mountain, right? Yeah, hyperspace mountain. Yeah. So the whole time there were like uh, tie laser blasts and sound effects and nice. X wing sound. You know, you, it was like super sound effect heavy and they somehow integrated like green and red laser blasts throughout nice. the ride and you know all the voiceover was 3po like on the way in it was really cool yo speaking of variations on rides is rise of the resistance sorry spoiler skip ahead like 30 seconds for anyone who hasn't done rise of the resistance the part towards the end where kylo ren comes out you, the big animatronic where he like the thing blows open and he gets mm-hmm. kind of he gets thrown like this you know yeah do they have like a backup version where he, when that's not running, they do a, a different? Oh, yeah. That's the first time I went on the ride. It wasn't working. Literally opening day here on the West Coast, when I finally went on, it was that was broken. I didn't see that until like my second or third try. There's like a to the I want to say like if you're facing the launch, the escape pods to right. the right, I want to say. No, maybe it's to the left. I don't know. There's just like him in his, in his tie in the window, right? Yep, exactly. Okay, sweet. Dude, honestly, as much as I love Rise of the Resistance, it's my favorite ride of all time. I think it's the best ride ever made. That animatronic is the weak point of it. Mm. So I didn't miss it. 
Cause it's just a little, everything else is like so immersive and like with the role yeah. playing with the first order officers and everything, it's so legit that when you see an animatronic, it's kind of like, mm -hmm. oh, it's an animatronic. Yeah. You know, it's just, yeah. it breaks my suspension and disbelief. Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't do some ver some sort of holograph, you know, yeah. 3d projected sort of version. Yeah. Kind of like the stuff with Hux earlier. Right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. When I was on this past trip, I just went the cannons that are firing out into sort of the the space battle mm -hmm. weren't moving oh, and i got to say ours, yeah. that, dude that is that's a game changer as far as yeah. making the ride less cool yeah uh, it really took away from that whole part like it didn't feel it, it took away a lot of the intensity of it because they're like moving and then you move past one and the, you know what i mean and it yeah. just feels like the sound even even though it's the same sound i felt like it seemed quiet you know because mm -hmm. it wasn't yeah, yeah. it didn't feel like they were actually firing so that was a little bit of a bummer but there's so many moving parts in that. I, as we know from the history of that ride since its opening, they bit off more than they could chew because it it's wild. always broken. It is wild that it's two years old and it does it still breaks. That is wild. <laughs> yes, on both coasts, it's always broken. So they'll get it right someday. But Well, even without everything fully firing, they have enough like contingencies in place that it doesn't shut down as long. Or, or maybe it still does. I don't know. I just haven't been there. They can make it work, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like just throwing a tarp over a character. I uh, I saw you posted the, like, picture of the shuttle leaving or whatever to go back to the Halcyon. Oh, uh, yeah. Every time I walk by that, the hangar yeah. <laughs> where you, like, arrive in Batu, I get, like, chills. I get anxiety. I get yeah. sadness. I get happiness. I get mm. just, like, I want to go that way and get back on that shuttle. Yeah. I saw some folks with pins walking around fully kitted out in their their costumes and god i was i was in my favorite place in the world but i was still jealous of someone else hmm. you know hmm. but uh i did get to do coincidentally something cool not the full thing but my my wife and i stayed a little later for the ahsoka day ahsoka tano day meetup at galaxy's edge it was so cool huge a couple thousand people at least just all lined up just to get in the the big photo groups because they had to do them in chunks of a few hundred people so we did photos in front of the tie over in kind of the first order area. And then there was a separate line to go take photos in front of the Falcon with Ashley. She posted about it. She was there. We didn't have time to wait for the, the photo with her, but we just ran down and said hi to David for a minute while Ashley was doing her thing and talked for a bit. And it was cool. Just, it was just like great to see everyone out there. A few folks from um, discord from you know, patrons were there. Got to meet one, um, Bananakin is his uh, screen name, I believe, in here. Had the shirt on, that was tight. And saw some other folks talking to Discord about being there. So it was a good night. It was great timing. For all, for all the times that it's been terrible timing, I was pleasantly surprised with this one. All right, let's talk about The Bad Batch. That's what we're here for. Oh, yeah. Got a new episode. Episode six. So let's get right into it. What have you done with those plans? The Bad Batch, Season 2, Episode 6, Tribe. Debuted today, February 1st, 2023 on Disney+. Plus. Disney Plus description, The Bad Batch helps bring a new friend home. New friend for them, old friend for us. Mm-hmm. I'm glad they made a new friend. Yeah, get some friends. <laughs> Written by Matt Michnovitz. This is his fifth writing credit. Story editor on every Bad Batch episode so far is what he's been doing primarily. Directed by Stuart Lee. This is his ninth episode of The Bad Batch. He's done tons of Clone Wars and Rebels, of course. Runtime was 27 minutes on this one. Guest starring Shelby Young, Star Wars animation veteran. She was the Axis droids and the Wookiee leader, Yana. 
She is most notably the voice of Leia in Forces of Destiny and Lego Star Wars, Captain Bragg in The Bad Batch Season 1, and a ton of others, including some live-action stuff. Noshir Dalal as the Axis leader. He's also the voice of Vice Admiral Rampart. Mm. Jonathan Lippo or Lippow as Gunji, the cartel droid, or cartel droid number one, and a couple of Trandoshans. He's done a few extras in The Bad Batch Season 1. Visions, uh, Glitch, the hospitality droid, Gork, the Gamorrean pirate, and a bunch of others in Resistance. J.P. Karliak as Venomore. Right? That's how you say his name, Venomore? Yeah. That's how I've been saying it to Finn when I'm talking about yeah. the Bad Batch to my dog. Watch out for Venomore. <laughs> That's the Trandoshan commander. And cartel droid number two. He voiced the Trandoshan in Visions episode one, the duel, you know, the black and white one, the one kind of Trandoshan in the group. My favorite one. Yeah. And he's done a bunch of video game stuff, so he's been around. What'd you guys think of this episode overall? Um, after the last couple, which were fun animated Star Wars episodes, this one to me had a lot of meat on the bones and I was thrilled to watch it. I had this feeling and uh, I'm just breaking all the rules and, and jumping right to speculation in first impressions. <laughs> like, is there a Mando, animated Mando, Grogu, something down the road here? Dude. If we're seeing these actual, now just here's a Jedi that's being trafficked. Yeah. I don't know. I had a very real like vision of like a crossover in my mind. Mm-hmm. Just because I, this was, to me was kind of unexpected, you know, to see a, a lightsaber and a hand out force. Like it was rad Mm -hmm. i think you know we talk about how rogue one and andor even you know the pushback that sometimes happens in the super healthy star wars fandom that exists now (laughs) about the lack of jedi or the lack of lightsaber like it's not star wars without lightsabers and force whatever right and while i don't consider myself a part of that super encouraging and supportive fandom that takes to the internet by storm each day i gotta say i was like pleased (laughs) you know what (laughs) i mean i was uh, like just Give me the sound of a lightsaber when I'm not expecting it. And um, it was super cool. I mean, even I think, you know, you have it in the notes that we saw Gunji was featured in the trailer. Like, I don't I don't think my mind went there when I just saw like I knew it was a, a Wookiee. Right. I mean, it, the Wookiee, he's in the like uh, the still on Disney Plus, you know, right. but when those droids were beating the Wookiee, like for some reason, my brain didn't connect jedi and everything that was about to happen right away right right so i was still really surprised and yeah i I think having that level of classic star wars warm and fuzzy feeling that you're watching a jedi do his thing it was so cool to have that in the bad batch yeah i thought it was fun i echo a lot of what brian said because after the last few it's just just like this is a worthwhile adventure at least we're talking about a wookie jedi who needs to get home like I back that story as opposed to a pod racing story, you know, like that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. So it's just easier to get a little bit more excited. And even though this right now seems like an adventure of the week or side quest or something, at least the like plot of it, it's a little bit more of that fun Jedi-esque, Wookiee kind of storytelling, which I just automatically was more drawn to. And I know not every episode could be like that, but that made me like this one a lot more. To me, I was drawn to the fact that whether it's just my imagination creating this or not, it wasn't an adventure of the week. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, okay, totally. we're getting into human trafficking and the Empire and Mm -hmm. back to the whole search for Jedis in this post-Republic era, fresh new Empire, trying to eradicate whatever Jedi are are remaining 
which which com- goes across now so many different stories, whether it's Fallen Order or The Mandalorian or mm-hmm. Bad Batch now, you know? So I felt like it's a, a piece of the puzzle of, of yeah. the, if you want to call it the bigger picture that the new regime of Star Wars creators have, mm-hmm. have been working on with all of these different stories. Yeah, I agree. So like Ryan said, we learned that Gunji would be featured in this from the trailer. And they did have, if you watch it closely, the shot where he force pulls that lightsaber mm. from the droid. Tight. So I, I was looking forward to that, but I didn't expect it would be, like you said, again, such a force-heavy presence. Another reference to Order 66, and, and not just a reference to it, but like an emotional reaction from the Bad Batch about it. Mm-hmm. You know, f- feeling their place in, in the universe start to come together is not just like people who are trying to survive, but a group of people who are standing up for people in need. You know, like the quote, he's a Jedi, he's not safe anywhere. And that still like slightly reluctant thing from Hunter where he knows, you know, being a person of duty, all of them being, you know, soldiers of duty, that their new duty is not to, I can't say duty so many times without thinking of poop. <laughs> um, it's no longer to a republic or to like, you know, a, a military regime, but it's it's to help people. And, and, mm-hmm. it, and it echoes the sentiment of, Ahsoka a lot of times in Clone Wars and specifically the quote that I thought of where she says in my life when you find people who need help you help them no matter what so not, again not to speculate but I, I feel like their their mission is so in line with the rebellion so in line with a character like Ahsoka the chances of, of reuniting with Ahsoka in maybe it's not till next season I hope they do 10 seasons of this I think that the chance of reuniting, reuniting with her is not low. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, a there's a decent chance, you know? Yeah. We're we're leading mm-hmm. up to the the real rebellion and they're very much becoming a part of it. So, I love this episode for for all those reasons. And going to Kashyyyk and like actually spending time there too was so sick. That just that that fact alone, meeting the tribe or meeting new wookies, yeah. you know, like so cool. You know, we didn't see Tarful, we didn't see Chewie. It felt fresh, but it felt familiar. Well done. And it gave you a, to like in the most joyful I can't believe this makes me happy sort of Star Wars way. Seeing that elder Wookiee with like a hooded little whatever you want to call that on. I'm like, I don't know. I want that figure now. You know, yeah, like yeah. I, I just, it, yeah. it, things like that make me happy. Give me the old gray Wookiee lady. Put her yeah. on the shelf. All right, let's get into a little synopsis. The Bad Batch is on a mission to a space station called vanguard axis station so vanguard axis is a criminal organization made up entirely of droids smuggling forgery slavery trafficking of living beings that's their game the planet was not named but this is a space station like a a big one floating orbiting around a planet no moon (laughs) it is no moon it looks like a 3d going from both sides like over easy egg anyone else no yeah it kind of had like the vibe of the Shield generating ring thing from Rogue One. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking avocado. Looks like a sliced avocado. There it is. Nailed it. <laughs> What's the seed still in? That's the California in me. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> it's also very millennial of you. Actually, yeah. this will be the answer here. What do you do with that avocado? What do you make with it? Uh, avocado toast. 
and millennial. Same. I would default to guacamole, but I will admit avocado toast is great. It's why I can't afford a house. I know what the inside of an avocado looks like. Just automatically means I can't afford a down payment on a house. <laughs> Nick, you could if you didn't live in California. I know. <laughs> but how much is an avocado in Florida? Like $30? I don't know. <laughs> All right. The Bad Batch is delivering forged imperial chain codes. Ultimately a good deed, you know, despite doing it with nefarious people uh, to the Vanguard Axis. They're doing this deal. Omega's hanging back with Echo at the ship. She's got a bad feeling about the place. I'm surprised she didn't say she has a bad feeling. She ends up snooping around to go see what the deal is because she can't not get in trouble. She finds a couple of droids trying to load a young Wookiee into a shipping container. They've got the kind of like cattle prod style staffs. They're tasing him. She's not happy with it, of course. Turns out this is Gunji, the Wookiee Padawan that we first met in the Clone Wars Season 5 that we've been talking about. Omega saves him, takes out the droids. This leads to her and the rest of the batch getting caught up with the droids. They find out that this is going down. This is a very valuable asset to them. They battle it out. We see, like I said before, the shot from the trailer where Gunji Force pulls the lightsaber from the belt of the Vanguard Axis droid. They defeat them, kill all these droids. Then they take Gunji back to Kashyyyk. He's been trying to get there since Order 66, apparently. In the meantime, the Empire has occupied Kashyyyk. But it's the Trandoshans. Yeah, but it's the Trandoshans being hired, essentially, to do the dirty work of Mm -hmm. the Empire, to raise the forest, burn it all down, capture Mm -hmm. the Wookiees. They're using repurposed Separatist battle tanks, which is really interesting. Mm -hmm. And there are troopers there sort of overseeing everything. Right, clone troopers that are left over, yeah. It did kind of remind me, I know we're just in the middle of synopsis, but like that Trandoshan doing the Empire's dirty work felt very like Corpos doing the Empire's dirty work. You know, like that's like the weird evil genius of the Emperor is that at some point fear is ruling the galaxy and like he doesn't need to put stormtroopers on every planet because like the local jerks are going to do it for him. Yeah. (laughs) If you've got enough local jerks that are really running shit, you know, it's like the government getting involved with mafia. Like Mm -hmm. if mafia is, is running a town and the government can take a cut of that. Why not? You know? Yeah. So that's, that seems to be the situation here. Gunji mentions actually also, I don't want to leave this out that he only remembers Kashyyyk from his dreams. Mm -hmm. Assuming he was taken very young He's just got vague memories. And there's an interesting quote at the end that calls back to this that we'll talk about. That'll be my quote of the week with the quote you're referring to. That's probably my, that's my favorite part of this episode. So uh, the Bad Batch ends up battling these Trandoshans. They win. They put out all the fires. There was also that cool moment before the battle when they're just making their way onto the planet where Gunji had a little Grogu and, and the Mudhorn moment with those giant starship troopers looking Anyone else think that, that they would look like Starship Troopers? Oh, definitely. Aliens, yeah. <laughs> like in the, mm-hmm. in the forest when they were... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were cutting cutting the webs apart, you know, and, the, and they came to... Yeah, as they were coming in, yeah. Attack them. And, and uh, another really cool moment in this episode, this force moment where he kind of just made peace, mm-hmm. you know, reached his hand out and was like, we come in peace, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Love that. So cool. Crocodile Dundee style. Just going to get that <laughs> buffalo out of the road. <laughs> You're old. So the Bad Batch meets a group of Wookiees in the forest who take them to their village where they meet Yana, the character we mentioned earlier, the tribe leader who lets Gunji join the tribe. Meanwhile, back at the scene of the battle, a group of clone troopers and Trandoshans find the remnants, notice the lightsaber marks on the tank, and the Trandoshan commander orders his army of shitty lizards to go burn down the entire forest, find the batch, and the Jedi. 
I hate Trend Oceans. They're all assholes, man. Have we met one that's cool yet? And Perrin. Perrin from Andor and Trend Oceans. They're the worst. He hangs with Trend Oceans on the reg. He has to. Oh, definitely. Snaky <laughs> Back at the Wookiee village, the Wookiees, they know this is coming, right? So they have this spiritual moment where they ask the trees for help to come up with a plan. Like literal tree huggers. <laughs> <laughs> literal tree huggers, yeah. And... It's Tech, I think, who says they believe this planet belongs to the trees and they are allies in this fight. So there's this connection that we'll talk about a little bit more later that's very like Avatar, very, uh, you know, native indigenous kind of spiritual belief type thing. But in this sort of communing with nature kind of thing, they come up with this plan. They're going to lure the Trandoshans and the, and the troopers into a trap. So the Batch, they're on board because they, of course, remember fighting alongside the Wookiees in the past. They were allies. They set this trap. The Trandoshans and the troopers show up. Battle ensues. Gunji kicks ass. He's got the lightsaber out. He's in full little Jedi mode. And amidst the battle, these giant spider things that Ryan mentioned earlier show up to help. Because again, it's this like connection to nature kind of thing. Gunji ends up in a one-on-one standoff with the Trandoshan commander. This dude's got a flamethrower. He's like burning this like circle of fire around them. They're hand-to-hand. And right as it's all coming to a head... The Kinraths, the spiders, show up. They capture the Trandoshan commander, spin him up in a web, take him away. He's screaming. He's done. He's screwed. They win. Again, the Bad Batch helps put out the fire with the help of all the Wookiees. Then they go back to the village, and they're sort of breaking bread with them at at their table. Gunji teaches Omega how to connect with a tree. The Bad Batch is talking to Yana, the tribal leader. It's a nice happy ending. And Yana closes with a great quote that I won't spoil here because Nick's going to use it for his favorite. And it may be the quote of the week. Actually, my part is the right, my favorite part is right before that. So, all right. Well, then I'll read this one. Yeah, go for it. Yana says, as Omega and Gunji are connecting with this tree, she says, when a young one leaves, the trees weep. When they return, the trees sing. As this child has found a new home, perhaps one day we all will find a new path. That's beautiful. Pretty dope. Love it. That leads directly into this discussion that I wanted, first thing I wanted to talk about, the Wookiee bond with the trees thing. It's like a common theme in cinema, you know? It's that connection to nature, very, like I said, very Avatar. I mean, the tree thing specifically with Avatar. Mm-hmm. Connection to a natural world. It's, it's very much about like the classic trope of you've got the, the civilized people destroying nature, destroying the indigenous people's world, and in turn the thing that they most care about, that you know, their, their spiritual center in a way. In this case, I feel like there's got to be some kind of like force connection vibe to it. And it could just be that thing that, you know, like the Ashla or uh, the, the many other ways that the force is interpreted could just be that. Mm-hmm. So Wookiees, unless it's some extreme force sensitivity, like Gunji, where he was taken by the Jedi, it could just be a part of who they are and people who are more connected end up becoming elders and it's kind of their religion in a way. Wait, did you guys get that vibe or did you just get avatar from it? I mean, I did have a conscious avatar thought Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I don't know. Like I, I feel like we don't, we aren't meant to know the almost like tiers of force sensitivity, you know? Right. So this could be like a lower level, maybe Wookiees have a bond that could be, force sensitivity with their planet and then someone like gunji is like so elevated because as of right now i think there's only one that we know about there's only one other force sensitive wookie which is in the high republic right 
So it's pretty rare for their species. So maybe they have a low level of force sensitivity or something like that that hasn't necessarily been you know written into anything yet. But something like this could be for sure. Uh, I wonder, I want to steer this into a conversation we've had a little bit before where are we seeing like little instances where Omega could be force sensitive? Because mm. even at the beginning of this episode, and I know we've talked about this last season, even at the beginning of this episode, she's just sitting on the ramp of the ship and she's like, something doesn't feel right, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's that's like an intuitiveness. I mean, I don't know. It, it, being intuitive in Star Wars absolutely could mean that she's uh, force sensitive. And then the thing with the tree, she's just sitting next to an actual Jedi Padawan. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's just something to keep an eye on, I think. I think the idea that don't necessarily be force sensitive for this to be a force sensitive moment for them. Mm-hmm. The idea that the force connects all living things. Exactly. Yeah. Like, if they believe that the trees can speak to them, that doesn't mean they have to know of or about or have any knowledge of the Force. But the fact that they can touch and connect and feel the trees, it's all under the umbrella of the Force connecting all living things. Yep. And there may be a thing where because they, you know, despite being connected with other species and having space travel and everything else, that they are very insular in their culture Mm -hmm. because they're so connected to their home planet. The idea of letting one of their younglings go off and be taken away is maybe rare because they're protective of it in a way and they see it as a spiritual thing. So it it could be just happenstance when the Jedi come in contact with a highly Force-sensitive Wookiee. Otherwise, they end up just becoming elders. You know what I mean? You know, again, going to that quote, when a young one leaves, the trees weep. So maybe it's... It's just more unlikely because the connection is so much richer and it's not, it's more of an ecosystem rather than like an individual who may have like a, a spike on the graph, yeah, yeah. So, to, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? Yep, absolutely. Does it make sense? Well, just sticking with Omega, do you, do you think it was, she didn't blink an eye when she saw Gunji was a Jedi. Has she seen a Jedi before? And I'm not remembering. This is only the second instance besides the opening of the Bad Batch with like, Young Kanan and Depa Balaba. Those are the only other Jedis in the show, and she obviously wasn't there yet. So would she have seen a Jedi on Kamino? Like, she didn't mm. question it at all. Like, whoa, what is that? I mean, I yeah. think she knows what a Jedi is, but I feel like there could have been a quick line, like, I've never seen one before or something. But it, they definitely yeah. grazed over that. So I don't know if that's... Not by mistake, I don't want to say, but I kind of noticed that as inquisitive as she is, she didn't blink an eye when she saw Gunji. Well, to unofficially speculate on a show that doesn't officially speculate but has for however many years now as long as you say it's unofficial <laughs> just say it's yeah, unofficial yeah, we just have to act like it's, yeah um so here's a question and that maybe this all ties in and maybe the first potential answer is all connected who is the buyer of gunji that the axis droids are referring to mm-hmm. is it the empire if it is is it for the same reason that they want grogu does it all tie in with the kaminoans is Omega actually force sensitive? And that's all part of this like giant web of this long-term plan that Palpatine has mm-hmm. with cloning, with gathering up the force sensitives, all of it. Yeah, I don't know. I love the idea of it. I only got the vibe that that's what it was without them giving us any information. Just in in my head, and I think I mentioned this earlier on the show, it's part of this this bigger picture story that is developing on many fronts. Yeah, I immediately thought this ties into Grogu. It's not a part of the Mandalorian, the show, or the story, but 
ties into that search mm-hmm. for whatever cloning or research they're trying to do by not eliminating. Because the idea is kill all of the Jedi, right? Kill them all. Well, clearly they're shopping for some instead of killing them, right? So Yeah, Third Reich style. And as far as we know, they're shopping for, for younglings. Yeah. Shopping for young ones, you know? So it's like that. Ha- there's some big picture element of the research they're doing here. I'm guessing this Empire answer is, is the most likely answer, but there were two other possibilities that I put in the notes here. One, could it be the Pikes buying Wookiees for slave labor? Mm-hmm. We've seen it before. Saw that in Solo and one other place in animation probably, right? Or much less likely, but it would be a cool plot twist. Is it an early rebel cell trying to free him, like buying up four sensitives yeah. from, you know, on the black market just to free them? I like that. That would be a great like writing twist. Lastly, discussion-wise, the clones who saw the lightsaber marks on the tank, did you get anything in the voice, in the line reading, that felt a little conflicted to you? Hmm. I didn't notice. I'd have to go back and listen. There was just like a, maybe this is just like wishful thinking where every time I see a clone, you know, walk up on a situation, I'm like, oh, is this one going to turn him? Is this going to be the thing that turns him? You know, but I, I don't know. I, I detected like a little hint of Jedi lightsaber marks, you know? Yeah. Like, more maybe it's a little like, I thought we killed them all, that sort of thing. Yeah. I'm hoping for the former. Either way, I love seeing clones. All right, let's take a break and get into the Den of Antiquities. Hey, everyone. We want to take a moment to tell you about the sponsor of this podcast, Roosevelt's. You may know Roosevelt as the company who makes those rad, all-over print button-downs with just about every franchise that you love. They, of course, have Star Wars, because this is a Star Wars podcast, but they also have Harry Potter, Disney, Pixar, Marvel, NASA, WWE, The Office, Nickelodeon, Rick and Morty, Friends, all kinds of other stuff, including new lines from Yellowstone and The Godfather. And not just button-downs, but t-shirts, they do shorts, jackets, hoodies, koozies, flannels, so many different kinds of items, so many dope designs. So if you're interested in picking something up for the first time, go to rsvlts.com and use promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off your first purchase. Once again, that's rsvlts.com. Use promo code THANKTHEMAKER to get 20% off of your first purchase. It is the dark side. It's a Calicori. A Sith Wayfinder. Dark science. Cloning. Secrets only the Sith knew. Hey, Nikki. Oh, the den. You know, I'm leaving for tour soon, so this is my last time in the official den. When we record from here on out, I'm going to have to be finding the den of antiquities in various hotel rooms and and dressing rooms. (laughs) I was just in the the original Den of Antiquities mm. mere days ago, multiple times. Bought a Camtono. Oh, you bought one? That's awesome. Yeah. It was a hell of a thing to find a place to put on the way home. <laughs> yeah. But it worked. It wasn't your carry-on? That would be so sick. I would be so stoked if I saw someone it was. with carry-on, yeah. Camtono carry-on. <laughs> Dude, also, my wife, she had the best immediate reaction when I told her what it was. She's like, what is it? And I'm like, oh, it's like a safe. It's like a container that they put stuff in in Star Wars, whatever. And I told her the whole backstory. And she's like, a container? So like the way a little kid would mispronounce container, potentially. Oh, yeah. Container? <laughs> so it has to be like Filoni or Favreau or, or somebody's yeah. little kid who... Put it in the cantono. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Highly possible. Anyway, continue. Well, we have, some, we have a recap to do a little bit, huh? 
Yeah, this is, uh, I feel like this, we're going to recap last week about that big mech thing. I think the hive mind of the community found a good reference that I think we all missed at first. And uh, yeah, it kind of ties into Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah, this, the central figure in, in last week's episode, that giant walker that they thought was a mountain, turned out to be this thing. The head of it looked really familiar. And there were people all over kind of starting to connect the dots. To, I, I saw different mentions of something called a Zepho. I didn't know what the hell that was because I don't know much about Fallen Order. But it turns out to not only look like one of the species, the Zepho species, but also these like temple guards, which are also droids or, or automated guards of some kind, right? Ryan, you, you've played the game, so you've seen this directly and you've done a little research. Tell us about it. I think the temple guards, I'll back up, but I think the temple guards in Fallen Order equate them sort of to never-ending story. The giant stone horsemen or whatever they were that that if you run through it, their eyes turn to lasers and evaporate you. Right. Kind of that's the vibe of, of them. They are, they're like droids, yes, but they're, they're really slow and boxy when they move. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they can like evaporate you with their eyes it's it's super so just like the giant laser on the walker yes yes essentially right kind of like that so but the zepho apparently it's out there that maybe they predate the jedi <laughs> like think of them maybe as like the builders in prometheus in in the, the alien film okay. you know but they yeah, yeah. turned to the dark side uh, that's part part of the story and you learn this some of this stuff through fallen order it's been obviously months since i finished it and i don't catalog i don't catalog it all in my head as well as some super nerds like myself do but in the game jedi master eno cordova there's a there's a lot of like visions that you have that are told by this jedi master and anyways that's how you, you know you find out about this temple on uh bogano this this planet bogano there's a temple there and the Zepho guards are there, and the Zepho used to be, you know, they I'm sure they used to inhabit it, whatever, but they, if you haven't played Fallen Order, skip ahead a minute from here. The holocron that the whole point of the game is for Cal to find this holocron, which has the names of all of four sensitive younglings in the galaxy on it, and it's in this Zepho temple on the planet Bogano. So super cool that, again, the whole, whole thing is big picture in this post-Republic, early Empire era, whether it's the games or the shows or whatever, you know. So with this Holocron thing, is there a version, now, now that you're like kicking your memory back into gear, mm-hmm. the big crystal thing that we said looked a little Kyberish, looked like something else that had that like galaxy kind of nebula internals to it, could that have been some kind of data storage thing? Because it kind of melted down, you know, when the, when the mm-hmm. thing activated, essentially like it was stolen mm-hmm. and then it melted down and the machine went off. Like that would kind of make sense, right? If, if, yeah. if that contained some kind of archive in it as well. And then to protect it, ultimately it melts down, the thing wreaks havoc and kills everyone within a radius, potentially. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing that you're in the game is, is a, I mean, it's a very, like the, you know, you can buy it at Doc Ondor's like in Galaxy. It looks just like a holocron. Just like a classic one. Yeah. Classic holocron. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, thanks, Hive Mind of the Internet. Nick, tell us more about this episode. Okay. First things first, Tech forges chain codes once again. He did that first uh, early in season one when they just were uh, on the run. I think that that's pretty cool. He seemed way more confident this time. He was like, these will fool the Empire. Yeah. Then uh, the Wookiee of the Hour, Gunji. Here's some appearance uh, history. He was first in the Clone Wars Season 5, The Gathering Arc, Episode 6 through 8. And then again in The Wrong Jedi, which is Season 5, Episode 20. And then one last time in Yoda's Vision in the episode called Destiny, which is Season 6, Episode 12. I love him. (laughs) 
a big portion of the den right now comes from an unfinished Clone Wars arc or episode, which was uh, previously shown at Celebration 2015. It took place in part on Kashyyyk and included the Bad Batch. Commander Vinamore was a character from that arc, just like this one. Uh, the Kinraths were the arachnid-like spider creatures on Kashyyyk. They were first seen in an unfinished episode of the Clone Wars. Uh, this is their first canon on-screen appearance. They were first mentioned in the junior novel Join the Resistance, Escape from Vodron. They are also found on Dantooine, which gets a mention from Leia in A New Hope, right? Mm-hmm. Dantooine. It's on Dantooine. Far too trusty. <laughs> An interesting fact, their eggs sometimes contained a type of kyber crystal known as a dentari crystal. Like a pearl? Yeah, like the uh, the crate dragon. Ah. That sort of thing. Also from that unfinished Clone Wars arc, the big four-legged ape-like animals that the Wookiee are riding are called Milala. They, again, were first in that uh, unfinished Clone Wars episode. I thought they were cool looking, but like one second after I saw them for the first time, their heads reminded me of a Ferengi head, like from Star Trek. For sure, the ears. Like, I don't know what, is it ears that make up the Ferengi head? Like, I don't really know. Yeah, big, like, almost like um, satellite dish kind of ears, you know? Yeah, yeah. Definitely felt Ferengi to me. Quark. And those are Dave Filoni's sketches originally, right? I believe so. I know that these are all from that era, which is all like George Lucas, Dave Filoni, basically created yeah. type stuff. I remember seeing a thing that straight up looks like a napkin sketch. He <laughs> yeah. did. It's like super rough, like <laughs> colored pencils, you know? Uh, a similar vibe to something in Rebels. The Kinraths don't attack unless they feel threatened, just like those spiders in Rebels. Adding to the Force connection to the planet vibe with the trees. It's the Force, I'm telling you. <laughs> I believe it. I believe that it's the Force. And in some level, there's some connectivity there. And finally, the former Separatist tanks used by the Trandoshans are now marked with Empire emblems. So the Empire just said, use those leftover tanks. Who cares? They got no shame. Slap a sticker on that Separatist thing. Let's do it. They don't care. All right, let's do I Love You, I Know. I love you. I know. Favorite scenes, favorite quotes, favorite moments. Ryan Key, let's read some from the patrons. All right, patron Derek just says, Gunji, that's my favorite moment. <laughs> Love that. Noted. Sky's the limit. I knew it was coming, but when Gunji pulled his wooden lightsaber and lit it up, I cheered while crying. I also loved the <laughs> Wookiees talking to the tree as well as Omega following suit. Uh, given the lifespan of Wookiees, I think I for sure need an, an Adventures of Grogu and Gunji show. Yes. <laughs> Maddie Gunner says, Wrecker speaking Shriwook. Love that. SoCalBat2, Ethan, says, Favorite part, all things Gunji. Watching him use his saber was great. Also loved Gunji and Omega connecting with the trees. Zach the Maker hasn't seen it yet, so he's muting now. Bananakin, Brian, uh, who's hanging with us here now? Oh, duh. I saw you at Galaxy's Edge. My bad. Hi, Brian. <laughs> Seeing the Kinrath in more than four pixels. It's dope seeing again how hardcore Jennifer Corbett and Dave are about Star Wars that they resurrect another Legends character. Oh, we didn't even mention that. Legends. Because hmm. there was something like pre that Clone Wars thing. Was it a game? I think they, I think I saw somewhere on the internet it was Knights of the Old Republic. Yep. Thank you, Brian. Um, yeah, cool. Good stuff. Nick, how about you? What was your favorite moment or quote? We already know. 
No, it, we don't know. It, we didn't mention it yet, actually. And it was right before. I don't. There's some some sort of emotion came out of me when uh, Hunter said, when when Omega and Gunji were were doing their their tree connection moment, he said they're both just kids, but they don't get to be. Yeah. And I don't know. I just thought that that was that was first whatever reason I thought of like. Iran and Ukraine and like all these like young people who are just like forced to, you know, fight for their life basically and their livelihood before they're even able to have any fun as a kid. So that, that, that line, which was right before the other line, uh, love that. Brutal. Really good. Ryan, how about you? I think just, um, in general, Gunji, like I, I kind of talked about, gave it away at the top of the episode, just having a lightsaber, having a, a, a nature force sensitive moment when he, uh, you know, stopped the starship trooper aliens in the forest, mm-hmm. feeling that classic star Wars force moment and more moments was really special for me. I can't really pick a moment, a specific moment. We're all cheating in that way. I will say that just the, the trip to Keshi to go deeper and learn more about the Wookiees in a way that, very much connects to the Star Wars holiday special in terms of like maybe the spirit of what they were going for there, despite it being so campy, the literal spirit, the spirituality of the Wookiee culture, their connection to the forest, like that bizarre ending to the the holiday special when they walk into the light and then they're all there for a sing along, you know, I, I just loved it. I've wanted to see more of Kashyyyk for 25 years and as cool as it was to see the battle in episode three, it was still just a battle. You know what I mean? And we just got to see more Wookiees. But this, going a little deeper, gives me hope that we'll see more maybe in a standalone thing. Maybe we'll just keep revisiting it. But Star Wars animation is giving us what what is probably hard to pull off in live action. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you couldn't just make a straight up Wookiee story. Yeah. Uh, think about the first 15 minutes of the holiday special where not a single English word is spoken. And you just listen to nonstop even subtitled it's like too much (laughs) it's 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 tough to do but it really worked in this case and i think omega as a character in the mix helps a lot so all things wookie especially on kashik i'm here for that shit absolutely like we've said a million times i just i i want more animated stuff like this involving places we know like, I just want story, you know? So so let's right. do Hoth. Where's Hoth? Mm-hmm. You know, like stuff like that. Let's do it. All right, wrapping it up for this week. We are looking forward, of course, to next week's double episode. This will be uh, seven and eight, clone conspiracy and truth and consequences. We're assuming this is like one long episode in two parts. Yeah, I feel like they're going to go back to some of the heaviness that's opened this season. Yeah, for sure. Seems like for sure. Nick. For sure. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Also, when I was leaving the hotel, because we were staying at Pop Century at the end, right by the, the 90s building, the 80s and 90s building, there's a huge for sure <laughs> on the one building that I was going to take a picture of and send to you. Nice. I forgot. But I said it just now with my mouth. So mission accomplished. Nick, you got anything coming up you want to shout out? I'm leaving for tour. Oh, my goodness. Our tour starts the 10th in Texas. Texas, where you at? Besides that, we have a brand new song coming out on February 2nd, depending on when you listen to this, so this Thursday, featuring Spencer from Ice Nine Kills on vocals. So it is potentially up there with one of the more wild Bayside songs that exist. 
it is many kinds of songs in one song. Cool. And someone else sings on it. Very rare and wild song for Bayside. So if you have listened to us before and you don't like us, give us one more shot. You might like this one. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give it another shot. Give Homek another shot. (laughs) Ryan, how about you? I do have something cool. Many times on the podcast, I've mentioned my little musical endeavor called Jetta. We announced this week that our first full-length album that we worked on for nearly five years is finally going to release in April. It's called Midwinter. And the first song we're going to release from that album is called In Full Sunlight, which is a cool reference to the Danny Boyle film Sunshine. And uh, it will be out February 17th. And you can pre-save the single now. Uh, You can either go to Jetta Music on Instagram and Twitter and all the places. uh, And there'll be a link there where you can pre-save the song. Check out In Full Sunlight in a couple of weeks and uh, pre-save it on Spotify now if you can. That would be great. My band Story of the Year has a new single out and a new video. It's my favorite video we've ever made. It's ridiculous and awesome. The song's called War. It's getting some uh, radio airplay, actually, as well. So terrestrial radio. No way. Around the country. Wow. That is exciting. It feels like 2003 out here. I mean, it should. I'm just saying a lot of things that should happen don't happen. So that's great. <laughs> that that song is on the radio. <laughs> feels good. And we're, get, uh, we're on some good Spotify playlists, Apple Music playlists, and stuff like that. So check it out. It's called War. It's probably the hardest song to just Google by its first name and get any results. <laughs> but uh, go to our socials and there's pre-save links, all that kind of stuff. Real smart. <laughs> and our album comes out in a little over a month. And we have shows in Australia coming up in March as well. And an album release show. We got a bunch of crap. I'm jealous. At Story of the Year for all that. At Adam the Skull is mine. I want to go to Australia. Nick, let's go to Australia. Just come with me. <laughs> I'll be on tour or something. I don't know. No, in America. I have to go to Milwaukee, okay? I have to go to Milwaukee. I can't go to Australia. Well, it's Algonquin for the good land, so <laughs> you've got that bonus. If you want to follow this podcast on social media, it's at ThankTheMakerPod on Instagram and TikTok. If you want to support this podcast directly, go to, go to Patreon.com slash ThankTheMakerPod where you can get exclusive content, Discord access, and you can listen to us and watch us record live right here. It's good stuff. It helps. It makes the podcast work. Also check out Princess and Scoundrel and Armor Party Podcast, part of the Thank the Maker Network, anywhere you find podcasts. Dudes, thanks for hanging. Listeners, thanks for listening. And until next week, may the force be with you. Thank you.